You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Actually, it's the it's the lead play in our in our offense. Double tackle, take the defensive end if he's over. If he's not, you drive down the first man to his inside. What's up, guys? Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. We're going to try to get through this segment as quick as possible because we're having audio issues and I don't want to waste Mr. Paul Brettel's time. So hopefully we make it through. (laughs) You may hear some beeping. We're having some speaker issues here. And of course, it would all fall apart two minutes before we go live. But Paul, how you doing, buddy? I'm excellent. Always happy to join you, Clayton. Good deal. Good deal. Well, let's do this, man. Let's kind of dive into some of the stuff we talked about offline here. And uh, I'm eager to get your thoughts on these. You know, there's been a lot of talk about this roster and and some of the uncertains. I know we've done a good job kind of covering that in the last several days here, um, having you on actually the last few weeks. And everything kind of shook out. I don't think it was uh, crazy, you know, too far away from what we expected, Paul. But uh, when you kind of sit back and look at it, you go, it's funny. We, we always try to predict the 53 and what's going to happen. And then when it does happen, we go, of course that happened, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, what's kind of your initial thoughts on the 53 just right out of the gate? And I, I know the one the one name that came to mind for me before I, we get into these questions was Enos Gaines, right? We talked about that quite mm-hmm. a bit. Um, you know, the fact that they were able to land him on the practice squad, I think that's huge for him being kind of that backup nickelback, right? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ennis Gaines is a is a big one, and he's someone that I did have on my fifty three man roster. Again, I just we, we hear the phrase in football all the time: the more you can do. He's someone who could be the backup nickel. He's someone who could uh, play safety if they were in a pinch. He's a core special teams player, but you know ultimately they're going with their four stud cornerbacks, and then obviously Eric Stokes is going to be back in the mix as well. So, like you said, it's one of those things where when it happens, you goes, "Yeah, I guess I see that as well." But a few thoughts that I had were Patrick Taylor. Like, I was way wrong on that one. I thought that Goody, Lafleur were giving us the answers to the test, you know, telling us what they're looking well, for at that position. Talking, I'm trying to get this headset hooked up, and it just. Uh, it just uh, all pointed to Patrick Taylor, the special teams ability. I think he finished second on the team this preseason in starting snaps with the special teams unit. He had nine targets in the passing game uh, compared to Emmanuel Wilson's. I think he had four or five. And then from a blocking standpoint, you know, Taylor's just the more uh, experienced player in that regard. And again, Goody and Lafleur told us those were the three components that were going to go into that decision. So like I said, I was all in on thinking Patrick Taylor was going to be running back three. But once we got on the other side of it, you know, Brian Gutekunst talked about Emmanuel Wilson on Wednesday and that, you know, referenced his size, his uh, 225 pounds, a bigger back, but the the ability he has as a ball carrier, um, his vision, his burst, his big playability. 
Uh, he led the preseason, like all running backs and rushing yards. He finished first in carries of 10 or more yards. He finished first in force missed tackles. Like they are taking a swing on his upside as a ball carrier. And then they said that he's shown enough growth in those other areas, special teams and pass protection that they feel comfortable in saying, all right, he's shown us this much. We can keep working with him to get him to where he needs to be. Uh, you know, Matt LaFleur said he's still got a ways to go in those areas. I wouldn't be surprised if at some point we see Patrick Taylor elevated uh, just from the practice squad to the game day roster to maybe help on special teams. You know, as again, they continue to work through Wilson in those areas. But I also wonder as well if they were concerned about losing him. Like if they released him, would he have gotten claimed on waivers? We all know the running, he checks the boxes for what you're looking for now in the running back market. A young player on an inexpensive deal with some team control. And obviously he showed his showcased his ability as a ball carrier. So I do wonder now again on this side of the table that we're on, haven't seen how things unfolded, if that was a, a potential worry of theirs. But again, showed his upside as a runner and the ability, the growth in those other key areas that are important. And as we look ahead to 2024, and I know this is coming to the table a little bit more with all that Jonathan Taylor news out there, but you know, Aaron Jones cap hit next year, 17 million. This could be his last year. AJ Dillon's a free agent. Like, you know, running back's a position where if you got to figure it out on the fly, teams have shown that you can do that. But if you want to plan ahead a little bit, you know, storing, stashing someone as you're running back three, like an Emmanuel Wilson, it was a good idea as well. Uh, a couple other observations. Uh, I know there was a lot of, uh, I'm not sure what word to use, but uh, the fact that Royce Newman was on the 53-man roster, and I, he's had his ups and downs. I think I said this last week. It's hard to believe that he played 1,000 snaps on a 13-win football team as a rookie, but he did. And unfortunately, it looks like he's regressed, or he has regressed since then, instead of move forward. But in terms of keeping him, he checks the boxes in terms of what we know the Packers like on the offense line. He's versatile. He can play either guard position. And no, you ideally don't want him at tackle. And fortunately, the Packers have a lot of depth there. But if they were in, ever in one of those oh-no situations where it's halfway through the third quarter, we need someone just to get us through this game, like he could do that if he needed. Right. He's got that experience that I mentioned, 1,000-plus snaps. And then in terms of like this is we think of this offensive line unit as having depth and it does, but it's all at tackle. Like if we take the starters <laughs> right. out of the equation and they had cut Royce Newman, the only interior uh, lineman backup would have been Sean Ryan. So, again, we unpack it a little bit. Once the dust settles, we look at Royce Newman's body of work, what the Packers do, the overall uh uh, you know, 30,000 foot view of the offensive line unit. And again, you can see why uh, roster and him made sense. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And basically Emmanuel Wilson back to him. I mean, he, he just, he, he forced them to keep him on the roster. I mean, he really mm -hmm. did. He showed up and showed out. It's pretty exciting stuff. I, I don't know. I love those underdog stories for sure. I don't mm -hmm. know why, but, the, the name that came to mind for me was Sam Congato. I don't know if you remember him. I do. Immediately, I was just like, this feels like Sam Congato. <laughs> Somebody just comes out and it's like, who is this guy? And how is he How is he doing this? I mean, what a what a taking advantage of your opportunity. Like if those, you know, you never want injuries to happen, obviously. But if those injuries, you know, if, if Lou Nichols and Tyler Goodson are healthy, like Emmanuel Wilson might not even, you know, or – probably wouldn't have seen anywhere or we know he wouldn't have seen anywhere near the snaps that he did this preseason or had the opportunity that, you know, ended up being 
in front of him because the Packers, they just had to at that point down the, down two running backs who were competing for playing time. So it's, it's uh, you know, sometimes crazy how that stuff ends up working out. Yeah, no doubt. Let me ask you about the, uh, the edge room, Paul. You know, some are saying that, and I'm not saying I necessarily agree with this, although I can see how they kind of come to this conclusion. Some are saying this may be the deepest edge room the Packers have had since the 90s. You know, I immediately think of Clay Matthews and how effective he was right now. If you were to compare Clay Matthews in his prime to Rashawn Gary, a healthy Rashawn Gary, I think they're pretty comparable. I really do. I think they're they're both kind of at the same level. But it seems like Clay never really had that that opposite rusher. You know, they tried it with Nick Perry. It just didn't work out. And now what you're looking at with Kingsley and Abari looks like he's coming on strong. Of course, Preston Smith, I feel like, is a proven commodity. However, he has kind of ups and downs, ups and downs, which, by the way, history suggests that this year is going to be great for Preston Smith. Yeah, it's an idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then, of course, you got Lucas Van Ness. Everybody's excited about Brenton Cox Jr. So it just seems like it's a pretty deep edge room. With that being said, um, how, how excited are you? And, and maybe how would you compare this edge room to the days of Clay Matthews? Do you feel like we're kind of on par there or is that an overreaction? I, I think that's a, you know, I, I guess I'll say this. I think, you know, a month from now, two months from now, absolutely. We could be saying that just by given what we've seen, um, you know, at this stage of the game, we can always revert back to, we got to see it take place on the football field first, but the depth of this, this unit is like Matt LaFleur said, they're loaded right now. All nine guys who were on the 90-man roster uh, during this last portion of training camp are on the roster now in some capacity, whether it's the 53 or the practice squad. They have nine edge rushers on their team in some capacity right now. And again, that just goes to show the quality of that unit. I mean, Ineg Bari looks like he's taking a big step forward. And under the radar, he's been a, a really good special teams contributor in these preseason games as well. Uh, obviously getting Rashawn Gary back is huge. Uh, you add Lucas Van Est in the mix, you know, his speed, his burst. He's someone that's going to be on the field in those obvious passing situations. Brenton Cox, I'm curious to see what his role ends up being. Again, he's still a, a, a young player, undrafted. We know he has the potential, the upside, but again, it's a deep edge rusher room. You don't really see six-man rotations, um, you know, at that position, even though it is heavily utilized. So I'm curious to see how that unfolds. And then Justin Hollins, just steady, you know, whether it's the run, whether it's the pass, you're getting consistency from him. And it, Matt LaFleur said, it's going to be a super competitive room in terms of earning snaps. And again, going back to how that all unfolds, obviously Gary and Smith are going to be your starters, but Gary's going to be on a snap count early on, as Matt LaFleur said. I feel like if I were slotting it in right now, you know, Enag Bari is going to be your third edge rusher. Uh, in terms of just ready today to go out there and make an impact, uh, you know, Justin Hollins is ahead of Lucas Van Ness. Obviously, Lucas Van Ness has more potential, more upside. That's a given. But in terms of right now, who's ready to go make a steady impact, that's going to be Hollins. So I think Hollins is going to be someone that we could see on early down situations, again, because he's a proven run defender. And then Van Ness is going to be, again, those obvious passing situations, second and long, third and long, tell them, hey, go get the quarterback. And we've seen with Van Ness that this that throughout training camp in the preseason, they've been using him on stunts a ton, which makes perfect sense. You know, He's someone who we know is a power rusher, has to develop that second move, but by using a stunt, you're giving him a free rush or a one-on-one -on -one opportunity for the most part. You know, Just saying, hey, go from point A to point B as quick and as hard as you can and go get the quarterback. So, I mean, this room is 
like Matt, I said it already, it's loaded. And even the practice squad guys, like I was really impressed with Keyshawn Banks. He flashed as a pass rusher, held up really, really well against the run. Uh, according to PFF, he led the defense in run stops this preseason. His average depth of tackle was 0.3 yards, so basically at the line of scrimmage. Aaron Mosby had flashes as well uh, as a pass rusher too. So really excited for this unit. You know, when they lost Gary last season, they took a huge hit, and that's a given. But nobody, you know, the they weren't able to step up as a collective unit. And again, there's no replacing Rashawn Gary by any means, but nobody else stepped up either in that regard. And this is a defense that finished 2022 ranked 22nd in total pressures. So obviously, that's an area where they have to improve. They have to get better against the run. Again, without Rashawn Gary, this group struggled in that capacity as well. But the depth is so much better than it was a year ago. Enig Bari, like I said, looks like he's taking a leap. Hollins has a full offseason in the defense. You add Cox, you add Van Ness to the mix. I remember this being one of my bigger concerns at this time a year ago, and unfortunately we saw why. But now I'm just really excited to see this group. Yeah, definitely. And it's crazy you mentioned that, you know, finishing 22nd in pressures. And I think if I understood the statistics correctly, before Rashawn Gary went down with the injury, they were second in the league in pressure. So, I mean – God, what a what a what a monster! We got to get that contract done ASAP. All we got to. <laughs> it's um, just obviously there's what Gary does, but there's the trickle down effect. Like if you're an offense and you don't have to, or you are accounting for Rashawn Gary, what does that do for Preston Smith? What does that do for Enig Bari? What does that do for the interior defensive line? I mean, there's just a huge trickle down effect to the rest of the impact on that defense that a player of his caliber brings. And again, we saw that. Definitely, definitely. Uh, another topic here, General Man- uh, Manager Brian Gutekunst uh, actually was talking about Jaden Reed the other day, and he said, quote, he came in a little bit more polished than I think any of us expected. Obviously, that's a nice surprise. You know, with Reed being the number three wide receiver, what kind of production do you think is realistic for him in 2023? Because that that really popped off the screen at me that, that Goody was just like, we wouldn't expect him to be this game ready. And, and it's crazy because – you, you see the practice clips and you think it's practice. You see the training camp clips, you think it's training camp. You see the family night, you think, okay, mm-hmm. it's family night. Then you see it in the preseason, it's like, is this guy ready to go? He seems like he's ready to go, right? And it's so <laughs> odd for a rookie to be ready to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one other comment from Gudikins that stuck out to me was he mentioned the just the rapport that Reed has built with uh, Jordan Love, and obviously that's an important aspect of this as well. I think it was either last week or two weeks ago where I said on here, get ready to hear Jaden Reed across the middle uh, off in this season because that's where he's going to be targeted. Get that speed in space, give him some yards after the catch potential. And what I've really seen from OTAs through the end of preseason in terms of his growth, he's been wide receiver three since he stepped in. Like He's been with the starting unit, but his impact in those practices going up against Razul Douglas and Jair Alexander and Keyshawn Nixon, it's become greater and greater. Like during the the OTA practices, which were voluntary, so Razul and Jair weren't at those, you know, he was in the slot, he was making a few plays each practice. Minicamp comes around, the mandatory one, those guys are back, and he was pretty quiet that week. Like it was kind of, I wonder if that was his little, you know, welcome to the NFL, young man experience. <laughs> um, again, going up against guys of that caliber. But throughout training camp, again, we've seen him progress where each week that goes by, he's making more and more noise in the passing game. And it's 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 been really impressive. Again, that speed from the slot, uh, he's going to be a big target over the middle. And in terms of you know answering what's realistic production, 
I went back to the numbers last season. Again, this is some rough math, but Aaron Rodgers had roughly 300 targets to receivers last season. He had uh, 542 in total, but obviously there's tight ends, running backs mixed in there as well. So roughly 300 of his pass attempts went to receivers. If we're if we're guessing here, let's say a hundred of let's say Jordan Love has three hundred as well. Let's say a hundred of them go to Romeo Dobbs. Let's say eighty five of them, ninety of them go to Christian Watson. And then breaking it down, I said somewhere in the let's say Reed gets sixty five targets. Let's say he catches sixty five percent of those passes, a, a decent catch rate, and let's say thirteen and a half yards per catch is what I gave him. That would be 43 targets at 13 and a half yards per catch, 570 yards in his rookie season. Sign me up. Sign me up. (laughs) (laughs) So again, that might be a little bit aggressive, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility either, just because he is going to be a a key part of this offense. And when you have a guy like Christian Watson, who's going to draw attention, you know, Romeo Dobbs is going to have some attention as well, just because, it's his second season. Teams know what he can do with his route running ability. Like I think the benefactor in some of those instances is going to be Jaden Reed uh, with, with additional opportunities. Definitely. We're going to go a little off cuff here for just a second, if that's all right with you. Yeah, absolutely. We've got a super chat from uh, Mike Hebring, and he said, we'll, we'll be watching the defense closely. I'm now from Missouri, even though I'm really from Wisconsin this year. They have to, quote, show me, seeing and believing. All right, so that's been kind of a topic here lately, Paul. We've heard this over and over every year, right? Oh, this is the year the defense cuts the corner. Mm -hmm. Last year, they got us all hook, line, and sinker. And thank you, Mike Ebering, for the super chat. We appreciate it, pal. What do you think would be a successful year for this defense? You know, would would they have to crack that top ten for the fans to go, okay, we're moving in the right direction? Would it have to be top five? What do you think that would be? And maybe – more specifically, what was I hate to say it like this, but it's it's it seems to be the narrative. What would save Joe Barry's job? What <laughs> level would they have to perform at? Right? Yeah, I mean, I think top ten or so would obviously be. Uh, I think that would be a, a, a great you know starting point or, or year from them. But for me, I think it goes beyond the end of the year statistics. And what I want to see is a more um, I want to see what I've seen here in the preseason. And what I mean by that is I talked about on here last week, how we're seeing the linebackers blitz more Um, Ben Fennel, who does a terrific job breaking down film has talked about how the defensive front is doing a lot of post snap movement again with stunts and twists, which both of those things, the stunts and twists and the blitzes from the linebacker position are very different from what we saw from this Packers defense a year ago, which gets me excited because one, they're being more aggressive. And as I've said on here before, I want this team to be less passive. Do the dictating sometime. You got pass rushers. You got playmakers in the secondary. You go dictate what's going to happen instead of being reactive and just waiting to let the offense kind of dictate how everything goes. So put your guys in positions to be successful. And I think those changes, again, that we've seen here this preseason and throughout training camp is a good sign that hopefully um, – progress is going to be made because they're going to have to lean on this unit, you know, more than they have in years past, you know, guessing anyways, just because it's a young offense, they're going to go through their ups and downs. And this defense is, you know, 
I'm guessing early on that this isn't a, an offense that's going to come from behind down, you know, 10 plus points. So this defense has to keep things close for them early on in the season, especially as they gain their footing. So I'm really excited to see that aspect of it. I think where we really have to see the improvement as well as against the run. I know I've talked about that on here as well. Uh, that's where it all starts. Put the offense in predictable passing situations. Again, so your pass rush, your secondary can be aggressive. But again, for me, I think right now in terms of, you know, Joe Barry's job this season, or is this unit taking a step forward schematically is where I want to see those changes from year over year. And then I think we'll see the results from a number standpoint after that. Yeah. You've definitely seen some changes in the, pre- it, of course, we see it in the preseason and watch as soon as the regular season starts, we go right back to the vanilla. But um, there was one play in particular we broke down on Chalk Talk this last week, and it was basically a scrape, right, where where Van Ness playing the edge really slammed inside, and you seen Quay come up and fill that outside gap. And you could tell that it was designed for a pass rush, but, it I mean, it literally blew the running play up completely with the burst of Lucas Van Ness, which kind of gets me onto our final question here, Paul. You know, we talked about – Ennis Gaines, right? And and we talked about he was kind of that backup slot position. And obviously, you know, they cut him. He lands on the practice squad, so you've still got him. You can still elevate him, all those things that we need if we get, get in a, a tight spot there having four corners. Um, what do you think, like how, how secure do you think Keyshawn Nixon is in that nickel role? With Carrington Valentine kind of creeping up on him, and we've seen that final preseason game, they actually played Carrington in a slot quite a bit, right, in that nickel back quite a bit. Um, do you think that Carrington would be the next man up now that Enos Gaines is technically on the practice squad? And if so, you know, how, how secure do you think Keyshawn is there? Do you think they'll maybe pull the trigger on Carrington a little bit early if, if things get shaky? I think that just obviously given the shake, how the roster's uh, broken down right now, that, yeah, he would be the next guy up unless they, you know, felt really confident about Jonathan Owens where they would move Darnell Savage into the slot in those instances. I think that could be an option as well. But for the time being anyways, this is very, very much Keyshawn Nixon's job. I don't think that that's in jeopardy whatsoever. You know, Matt LaFleur said earlier this offseason, because obviously Nixon, all pro return man, there's been rumblings of, you know, is he going to get some snaps on offense? And, you know, Matt LaFleur acknowledged all that stuff and didn't rule out the offensive side of things, but he went back to his job as defense. That's where he has to perform. And I do wonder when you have a guy like Jaden Reed as well, who has plenty of kick return experience, if again, if defense is Nixon's number one job, do they maybe take, you know, kick returns off his plate, for example, and he does punts or vice versa. Um, so that's something I'm kind of curious to see how it plays out as well. But this this is a hundred percent Keyshawn Nixon's job and both Barry and both LaFleur, while they've complimented Carrington Valentine for his play for his play, and again, he had a terrific preseason. Uh, he's still taking some lumps as well. We really saw that against the New England game. And so I'm not sure that from uh, that they're necessarily ready yet to just thrust him into that starting lineup. Could there be some plays, some specific schemes where they try to get him on the field? 100%. But for the time being, this is Nixon's job. And knowing how much the Packers value experience, like if there was an injury and like with the, you know, I used the Royce Newman example earlier where you just do some shifting, like, let's just get, we got to get through this game. We'll figure it out over the next week. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they were confident enough in Owens, for example, like I said, to step in next to Ford and Savage comes down in there because, again, he has that experience. But that's Nixon's job. Yeah, for sure. 
Good stuff, man. I'll tell you, the, the big concern with Keyshawn was, uh, you know, the falling down in practice. I think they, they said he fell down like three different times on deep yeah. passes. But at the same time, if we are going to stay in that traditional quarters coverage, he's going to be playing more underneath and in the flat if he's going to be playing that nickel back role. So I don't think we have to worry about that as much with, you know, the outside, the boundary corners playing deep quarter. And, of course, the safety's playing deep quarter with man principles, depending on if it's man match or zone match. But, Paul, you're the best, man. Again, you you guys can find him on uh, on X on Twitter, whatever you want to call it, at Paul underscore Brettel. He uh, he also writes at Packers Wire and Dairyland Express. Paul, can't thank you enough for your time, pal. Hey, appreciate it. Always a fun time, Clayton. Thank you. Yeah, have a great night. Again, that's Paul Brettel, the man, the myth, the legend. We're going to bring in Jacob now from the Packernet Fantasy Podcast. Jacob, once again, Paul's done it, man. He hopped on here and and uh, made, made the show a little bit smarter, right? <laughs> As always, yeah. Yeah, good to see him. Got to listen yeah. to most of his uh, most of his interview there. What did you think, uh, man? It was good. Um, I, where do, I, I don't really know where you want to start, but um, I I feel like a, a sap because every time I listen to him, it's one of those things where I'm like, yeah, I agree, I agree, I agree. It's like I want to disagree and have some sort of like hot take or something to make for good content, but I just I don't know everything <laughs> is is kind of spot on. Um, we can quickly oh, – I got to jump off in a little bit here. I got a big draft coming up pretty quick here. But, uh, oh, Tim's here. Hey, Tim. Yeah. What's up, guys? How you doing? So what what are your – if before you have to go, Jacob, what what do you think would be like your one or two takeaways from what he said there? What stood out uh, to you? And, I, and, again, I don't know how much of the interview you caught. but I got most of it. I I really liked – specifically when he was talking about Wilson – I was surprised, as we all know, I was a guy that thought that if there was going to be a third, it was going to be Patrick Taylor. While he was talking, I did look up, like, maybe Wilson had some sort of crazy RAS. He had a 6.84, so that was really not anything to – it was really, like, a highlight as to why we should have known that that was going to happen. Again, he didn't check a lot of the boxes, like Paul talked about, like the, the LaFleur straight up said. Ryan even felt hurt about it. I, I listened to Ryan's podcast. He talked about how he's never going to trust – Anything that LaFleur says again and that Gudekin says again, you'll be all right, Ryan. You'll learn to love again. Uh, but then <laughs> specifically about Jaden Reed, as he was talking about that, I started looking about how much love is Jaden Reed trying to get? What are the, you know, uh, guess stat guys looking at the projections, the DraftKings type, the, the gambling types. I know for one thing that he's a plus 10,000 for the offensive rookie of the year. So basically if you bet a hundred bucks, you can win a, 10,000 on that. He's the 28th ranked overall player to re, uh, to win the offensive rookie of the year. So he's not getting a lot of love there. When you look at what he could possibly be realistic numbers going into the season, I, I, I try to look at it a number of different ways. First, I just looked at his fantasy projection for through a number of different websites. So, and I kind of averaged it out. They're averaging around 150 to 145 points, which it's like a decent wide receiver two, maybe a wide receiver three. Like a, a, I would say more like a wide receiver three, nothing special. The thing is, is I think he's going to get a lot more uh, end arounds, a lot more jet sweeps, a lot more of little gadget and gizmo plays. Think a lot of early Randall Cobb and a little more like of, of just everything. He's shown that he can be a possession receiver. He can be a gadget guy. I think he's going to be on punt returns. Um, but one thing I did look at is just when I wanted to break it down. So if you looked at what the Packers did last year in 2022, 
obviously a whole different squad when you look at it. But our number one wide receiver in terms of targets, receptions, and yards was Alan Lazard. Obviously, he's not here. He had 100 targets, 60 receptions for 788 yards. Number two was Dobbs with 67 targets, 425 with 42 receptions. Three was Watson with 66 targets, 41 receptions, and 61 yards or 611 yards. Here's where it gets interesting because this is where I realistically see him somewhere in that wide receiver three to five range. Now, I just listed off the last three guys, which was one through three as far as targets, receptions, and yards. But then there's that gap where of Cobb, Watson, or I'm sorry, Cobb, Watkins, Torrey, and Rogers all totaled for right around 100 targets, anywhere from around 60 receptions to anywhere from around seven to 800 yards. And I think that that's where he can gobble up a lot of those catches, those targets, and again, a lot of the gadget plays. I don't think it's unrealistic to say that he gets well above 500 yards receiving. And I think you'll have even somewhere around like a couple hundred yards rushing, maybe a couple of picks or uh, touchdowns. I don't know. I just, I think that he, he's going to be a steal in many different ways. Yeah. I could see it too, man, for sure. Tim, not sure how much of Paul you got to hear there, but uh, with what you did get to hear, what stood out to you about what Paul Brittle said? Um, I think kind of towards, uh, well, I caught most of it. Um, mm-hmm. I think that the discussion, not to shift back to the defense, like I always like to do, but uh, <laughs> uh, that's what the hey, that's what the chat's on too, man. So you're good. <laughs> yeah. uh, I like what he said um, about Keyshawn uh, in the slot. You know, he basically said that yes, kind of what we're thinking. Valentine looks to be that that next guy up uh, in a pinch if necessary. Uh, however, it's Keyshawn's job. You know, it's his job is secure. Clearly, they're prioritizing his role in the defense more this year. Um, So, you know, I like what he said when he said maybe we look at, believe it or not, taking away some uh, return responsibilities from him so he can focus more on the defense. And if we've got enough youth and speed on this team, you know, maybe this explains why we saw so much of Samari Toure being sprinkled into the return group towards the end of camp. So uh, I, I just really appreciated Paul's insight there on uh, on Keyshawn in the slot this year. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, me kind of falling in love with Carrington Valentine this preseason, I need someone like that to kind of talk me back into reality, right? Because I'm already going, man, we put him in a slot. You kidding me? This rookie's <laughs> going to probably get out there and get roasted. But I uh, want to take a second and uh, give a shout-out to all of our PTA Posse members, uh, YouTube members here on the channel. Um, newest members, John Schmidt and John Baker. Appreciate you guys joining. Uh, you guys are entered into the contest to win the autographed Lucas Van Ness jersey that will be given away week one during the postgame show. And also want to say that this episode is brought to you by Old Southern Barbecue. The uh, Yeah, they're, uh, they're absolutely awesome. There's the logo. I always have a chat up here when I go to do this, man. I suck so bad at this stuff. Here we go. But this episode is brought to you by Old Southern Barbecue. Their award-winning sauces and rubs will add flavor to your Packers watch parties. The sweet and tangy Dixie Red Sauce Packs, a one-two punch with brown sugar and molasses, and the spicy Chicago Fire. There it is, Jacob, that spicy Chicago Fire, man. Sauce brings the heat with its fiery chili blend. Um, Complete the championship flavor profile with their secret recipe, brisket and rib rubs. And for the ultimate game day experience, let Old Southern Barbecue handle the catering for you. Their smoked meats, homemade sides, 
and cornbread muffins. You guys have heard Jacob talk about the cornbread muffins. That's the reason the dude's trying to get back in shape. According to him, he said it, not me. All right. And uh, it'll have your crowd celebrating like they're at the uh, at the Super Bowl. Visit OldSouthernBarbecue.com today for catering menus and to order their mouthwatering sauces and rubs. Again, they've got five locations in Rice Lake, Hudson, Arden Hills, Minneapolis, and Shakopee. Check them out, Old Southern Barbecue. Com. I want to show you guys right here. This is it. The one on the right. That one on the right right there, Chicago Ooh. Fire. I'm telling you, Jacob sent me some of that. It is awesome. Absolutely awesome. So go support them, guys. I don't know how you guys feel, but I always want to support those who support the things that I enjoy. And and I was the knucklehead. I was the, uh, the, the cheeser, I guess you could say, that when I found out at the time, Sargento's was the official cheese of the Green Bay Packers. I was all over it, dude. I was like, I'm buying that cheese the rest of my life. Then I find out they're no longer sponsored by them. That's a different story. So anyway, check out Old Southern Barbecue. Anything I missed there, Jacob, about Old Southern Barbecue? Anything you want to plug there, man? Eric, Eric was asking, will they deliver to Michigan on game days? Uh, not the actual – well, I mean, whatever you pay for, who knows. Mm. But you can order their spices <laughs> and their shirts and any kind of that stuff. They'll, they'll ship anywhere in Canada and the U.S. And maybe I think even farther, so check it out. But um, nice. one other thing Eric talked about earlier, I believe, he said, does anybody know who this Christian Welch guy that we signed to the practice squad was? I had to look it up. It was a dude that apparently was um, former Baltimore Ravens linebacker. He's 6'3", 240, undrafted free agent out of Iowa in 2020. He's 25 years old. He made 21 tackles over 43 regular season games in three seasons with the Raisin, Ravens, not the Raisins. That'd be a cool team. Uh, <laughs> so he played 46. They look like Raisins. <laughs> he played 46 defensive snaps, but 955 snaps on special teams. So I think we know why he's there. Um, he was on the field for 200 special team snaps in 2020, 380 in 21. 355 last year and uh it just so happens that yeah he's a native of iola wisconsin and he was an all-state pick as a high school senior and then an all-10 pick during his senior season so he's a you know good old wisconsin midwest guy so and a, and a special teams thumper it looks like so that's why he may be on the team i'm guessing got it nice stuff put iola on the map something else yeah. besides the car show every every year <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Let's go to Doug in the chat here earlier. I flagged this one. He said, not too worried about the pass rush. Our weakness has historically been stopping the run. Are we going to be able to finally do that? Doug, I know it's not the answer you want to hear because it's not the answer I want to relay to you, but the NFL has shifted, man. And and these defenses are willing to give up that run to uh, to reduce the chances of giving up what we call an explosive play. Uh, that's the way things have shifted. You know, Kansas City did it a few years ago and it actually cost them in the AFC championship. And they, they're still kind of playing from that perspective of, Hey, look, we're willing to give up the run, but we're going to make sure that we don't get burned with the explosive plays. Um, it's all going to come down to, you know, how much they want to shift in that direction when it comes to Joe Barry's defense. And, you know, if we play more man coverage, I've said this too, I, I, you know, everyone who's screaming, we just want man coverage, let Ja follow their number one target and and just you know play man coverage that's not good for the run defense gang so um Doug I hate to be the bearer of bad news but I would not be surprised one bit man if they don't if they continue to not worry about that run defense as much as they are those explosive plays in the passing game I hope that makes sense there but another one we flagged here coming in from Adam he said Luke Musgrave is going to be huge for us this year book it love the guy and his character being forced into number one duties and hope he responds rooting for the guy there's one thing about it man Jacob, he is he is being forced to perform this year. I love it. I think it's great for him. Throw him right out there into the fire and get some reps. 
no, I agree. I'm uh, I'm excited to see uh, this whole year is just going to be people being thrown to the fire and then seeing what comes out the other end. And I really do think that we're going to have, if anything else, we might have a team that has like seven, six, eight wins, but they're going to be ex- really forged and they're going to know exactly what they have next year, knowing what to fix. But I really do think it's going to be more like the 10 to 12 wins after I keep seeing the progression, the types of like, I saw that. I can't. All right. Speaking of that, I have to jump off because I'm about to start a draft in about seven minutes, and it's pretty intense. And um, I got a lot of guys on that league that I. Paul is in there. Paul, Justin, uh, Tony, all from the Packernet Fantasy Podcast. My little brother, uh, two guys we went to high school with, and then a bunch of random fans. It's a 14 man league, so there's a bunch. Hey, of let's go. Is that is that the is that like the crazy draft one, the one where it's like yeah, it's all the crazy rules? 14 person PPR super flex with two defensive players. It's going to be <laughs> a lot. I don't understand what half that means, but it sounds really all intense. Right, hey, it hey, really hey, goes. Hey, that's just the way we talk in the clink. All right. <laughs> hey, 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 that's just the way we. <laughs> Get out of here, man. We uh we appreciate you hopping on for a few minutes. It's good to see you. Yeah, you too. Go pack, go. See you guys. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. See it. What he was referring to there, Tim, is Roger Davis in the chat said, twerking raisins, perfect fantasy team name. Thanks. <laughs> you got to love it, man. You got to love it. All right. Look at this. Getting getting live updates. You're going to see the viewers go down immensely right now because Paul Robertson in the chat said, FYI, they're replaying Packers versus Steelers Super Bowl on NBC. 
guys, we're going to wrap it up right there. <laughs> Let's go ahead and hop over there and watch that ourselves, right? What, um, a, what a great uh, timing uh, as uh, Jordy and Josh sit and go into the Green Bay Packer oh, Hall of Fame today. So what a great time I, to start that game. Tim, how cool was it seeing those guys back at Lambeau, man? I, I was – and Josh sitting looking good, man, looking like a dude. It's amazing how these offensive linemen can sit at, you know, 300, 320, 330 pounds, and then as soon as it's over, it's like, okay, I'm just going to go back to being 225. It's amazing, all right? Yeah, most of those guys probably can't wait to to take that weight back off. And, uh, you know, they, they, when you retire from the NFL, you know, the the term dad bod has a, has a different meaning, um, and you see guys that used to <laughs> – you know, they were built like Tonka trucks and now they're, you know, trimmed up and slimmed up and uh, living their best life. So it's it's always good to see that, man. And, you know, especially playing this game, it's a brutal game. You know, we were talking about Don Mikowski last week. I mean, the guy just had another surgery on uh, the same leg from his playing days. You know, your your body goes through a lot of abuse playing multiple seasons in the NFL. So it's always good to see those guys still in good shape and healthy and Getting inducted into the hall. Love it. Yeah, yeah absolutely awesome, man. I remember, I think it was Jordy. I'm trying to think of what year it was when I went up to Lambeau. It was probably 2000, and I think it was Jordy's rookie year. And I seen him going through his his at the time. I don't I don't know if they were married at the time. It was definitely his fiance slash girlfriend, which they're they're now married today with multiple kids. But she dropped him off in the in the players' lot, and, and they were just driving the most normal vehicle. They just seemed like, I mean, if you seen him at the grocery store, you wouldn't think that he was an NFL player, right? Just the way he was dressed and everything. And obviously, Jordy out there working on the farm in Kansas. What a great guy, man. He, uh, yeah, like uh, like Roger in the chat says, Jordy doesn't get any better than that, man. Jordy was just. Yeah, he did everything the right way. There's no doubt. Um, want to want to give you guys kind of some injury updates real quick. Devondre Campbell, this is exciting news, Tim. He was back at practice today, a full go. Now still out. You had Dobbs, you had Bakhtiari, you had Tay Wicks, and then a, a surprise one was Darnell Savage missed practice today. So when it comes to Bach, that's just completely planned. Obviously, trying to you know limit uh, his uh, his workload in practice, you know, him being the, uh, the age veteran. So, and then uh, of course Dobbs, they said that he did not practice, but he was on the sideline sprinting, which is good news, right. For that hamstring. So if I read correctly, he said he just felt something, felt something kind of weird and bring it to their attention before that last preseason game. I believe it was the week of that last preseason game. That's why they set him out. So uh, one, you know, I, I know as fans, Tim, we're complaining like crazy about this long bye we've got here before week one, but man, it really works in our favor when it comes to Romeo Dobbs, right? Absolutely. And, you know, for a young player like that to, you know, this is what you want to instill in your guys is, you know, you want to play hard, you want to be tough, you want to play through things. But, you know, if you feel something and it ain't right, you're going to know your body better than anyone else. So for him to just take it upon himself to mention that uh, to staff um, just shows where his head's at. And, you know, there's – I mean, so much to love about Romeo Dobbs, honestly, just his approach, um, his preparation. And uh, you can tell that he has uh, made himself a student of the game and uh, a leader in that wide receiver room. You know, we have a lot of depth there. We have a lot of young talent there. Um, but the thing that always stands out to me with Romeo is just he's he's one of those guys that's always level headed, always even keel, always level headed out there and making the right decisions. So. Um, hopefully, uh, with him sprinting on the sidelines, that means, you know, after some 
few days off here and they get back to practicing, hopefully we see him out there. I would think that that's the next step is probably ease him back into, you know, full practice. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. All right, let's take a look at the updated depth chart here. We actually got this. This is You can find this uh, on Packernet. Uh, if you're not following uh, Packernet Podcast, definitely do that on Twitter. Um, but just kind of looking at this depth chart, you can see this, right, Tim? Yep. All right, great. Just wanted to kind of get an update on, on, on the way the roster looks. I'm going to pop the ticker down for just a second so we can get a good look at this and uh, and kind of see how it lays out here. Obviously, um, at the wide receiver position, the way we've got it listed is if we're in a in a 12 personnel, it's going to be Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs are the two wide receivers. Uh, obviously, your slot receiver right now is going to be Jaden Reed, although he can play everywhere. Again, that slot is so – um, I don't know. It, it's so misinterpreted within the Matt LaFleur offense. Some people refer to it as flyer because nine times out of 10, they're actually in the Z and it's Z motion. And people just kind of look at it as the slot receiver, but they call it flyer to the best of my knowledge. Now, when it comes to the tight ends, you've got, according to this step chart, you got Luke Musgrave, Josiah DeGuara, then Tucker Craft, and of course, Ben Sims, the new the new signing there. Um, when you look at it from that perspective, man, and, and like we were talking about uh, with Paul, um, when it came to Brian Gutekunst's uh, comments on Jaden Reed, it's exciting. And, and I think we're going to be in a lot of, of 11 personnel, Tim. I really do, because, you know, what he said was just it, it really it told the story. He said, you know, we didn't expect him to come in this polished. Right. And that just cracked me up because it was like one thing about Goody. Goody is going to tell you what's on his mind, and I appreciate that about him. Like, there's never any situation where I feel like, ah, Goody's fibbing here. You can tell. He may just say, I'm not going to talk about that, and that's totally cool. But for the most part, man, he seemed to tell you exactly what's on his mind, and, and they were surprised with Jaden Reed. With that being said, I think we're going to see a lot of three wide receiver sets at 11 personnel, don't you think, Tim? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, Paul had a great point. You know, by default, Dobbs and Watson – the attention that they're going to draw uh, is going to produce more targets for, for Reed. I mean, it all signs point to that. And, you know, you highlight that speed coming out of the slot combined with, you know, the speed out wide. And then you've got mm -hmm. Dobbs running these, you know, these really technical crispy routes. Um, you know, Jaden Reed is going to, he's, he's a walking explosive play in this offense, sure. in my opinion, because I mean, he could catch, you know, a skinny post at, at, at seven yards and just it's gone. He could, he could streak right across the field and be gone. And so can, <laughs> so can Christian Watson. So, I mean, Reed is going to be fun to watch. Um, and he definitely showed up to camp. We, we said this early in August that uh, he did not look like a rookie out there uh, throughout camp. And, um, you know, a pleasant addition to our return game as well in a pinch too, again, if we need to take some uh, some snaps in uh, the return game away from Keyshawn, we have options. So I'm excited about Jaden Reed, man. No doubt about it. Uh, on the offensive line, the updated depth chart, obviously Bakhtiari at left tackle, Elton Jenkins at left guard, Josh Myers at center, John Runyon at right guard, Zach Tom at right tackle. As the backup for left tackle, they have Yash listed, and they've got Rashid listed, Rashid Walker listed as the backup at right tackle. I think those are very, very – thin lines there, right? I think you get a, a good week of practice for Rashid Walker. He may actually, uh, you know, skip over Yash and vice versa. Of course, you got Caleb Jones behind them. Now, on the interior offensive line, it seems as if Sean Ryan is going to be the backup left guard and Royce Newman is going to be the backup right guard. Kind of 
kind of unique there in a sense of, okay, will Sean Ryan actually plug in the right guard over Royce Newman and vice versa? Only time will tell. And hopefully we don't have to answer those questions, Tim, because we want that offensive line staying health, healthy, uh, obviously, there. And we've got some more Tori listed as the backup slot. Um, obviously, we got uh, Matt Orzich back, right? He signed. Um, so everything that we predicted there came true as far as them just kind of letting him sit for a day off the roster. Luckily, nobody picked him up. Um, and then obviously he's back as the long snapper on the defensive side of the ball. We've only got one nose tackle listed here in TJ Slayton. However, we know Kenny Clark can play nose. Devontae Wyatt can play nose. It's not ideal, but they can definitely play nose tackle. It really shows you the value that we have in TJ Slayton now, right, Tim? Oh, absolutely. And it shows you uh, what kind of camp and preseason he's had too, because they're clearly confident moving forward yeah. with him. Definitely. And I'm trying to remember what round pick was TJ Slayton. I'm trying to remember when that was. I'm going to Google Don't it real quote quick. Me on that. Third? Was he third? I was thinking he was later. I was thinking he was like fifth, maybe, but let okay. me check here. Let me check real quick here. I just want to make sure we get it right. But uh, you're absolutely see. right, though. We have that ability with, with Kenny and Devontae Wyatt, too. So, I mean, there's flexibility at the nose, but having, having big Tej there is, uh, Certainly a blessing this year. Definitely. So, yeah, he was pick 173. He was in the fifth round. Wow. So, wow. the fact that he is your starting nose tackle in a fifth-round pick, I mean, that says a lot. If he comes out this year and balls out, I'm going to be so excited for that guy. There's no doubt about it. Um, all right, so moving on to the cornerback position, you've got Jair Alexander on one side, Rasul Douglas on the other. Carrington Valentine is the backup boundary corner. He can play on both sides. We've seen it in the preseason. And then, of course, Keyshawn Nixon is your slot corner um, at safety you've got Rudy Ford and Darnell Savage with uh with the backups being Jonathan Owens and Anthony Johnson Jr. they have them both uh, above Dallin Levitt and Zane Anderson obviously so another thing that you might take into consideration here if they don't like Carrington in the slot which I think they would probably put Carrington in before a safety uh, my guess would be Jonathan Owens kind of like what Paul Brettel alluded to that if you put Jonathan Owens into that nickel spot, then you're basically playing a big nickel now. And they want to do that in run situations anyway, when, when there's, when they're faced with 11 personnel on a first down, you know, that's when teams, teams like to get you into that nickel defense, Tim, and then they want to run the ball down your throat. Right. So that may play into why we, we kept all of these safeties as opposed to five corners. Right. So. Oh, absolutely. um, Especially knowing that, you know, what, what J.O. brings to the table as a tackler, like you said, in that scenario, that's what, that's what we need. It's almost like if you're going to bait us into the nickel, then we're going to be ready if you're going to run. Yeah, <laughs> so, no doubt. I mean, it's to make people happy. We, we just talked about that. Everyone wants to stop the run. You know, we, we, know, we know Joe Barry, is, he'll, he'll put an emphasis on maybe containing the run, but full on stopping it, I don't think we're, I don't think we're ever going to sell out to stop stop the yeah. run i think we're going to trust our guys up front i agree i think it's just going to be that bend bend but don't break look and i'll tell you man the defense i don't think they were that bad last year i really don't I, when i went back and watched the tape I, I didn't come away going this defense is horrible they started the season so freaking strong and then there toward the end you had all the injuries pile up and on top of that i mean the way we were turning the ball over on offense you know and it was so uncharacteristic of of aaron Rodgers to throw those interceptions that's really what put the defense in a bad spot to begin with again though no excuses but Back to the offensive side of the ball real quick. Brandy Lewis says, Reed and Watson bunch formation. Good luck, defenders. You're going to get me fired up, Brandy, because I'm telling you, 
the the thought of all that speed there. And oh, by the way, you know, Romeo Dobbs can take the take the uh, the roof off of defense too. Like he can take the top off of it. Um, oh, yeah. But on on top of that, imagine that bunch formation. And imagine a bunch formation with Luke Musgrave in the bunch, right? So imagine you've got, let's say it's Christian Watson as the boundary X, and you've got Luke Musgrave as a part of the bunch, what we call bunch nasty X, right? And you put yeah. that bunch together, you've got a bunch of different things that could happen. First of all, you know, Christian Watson, you're, go- you're probably going to have to roll a safety over to that side of the field. Right. You're going to have to do that. You're going to roll a safety over to that side of the field to make sure he don't take the top off. OK, by the way, you've got Jaden Reed and you've got uh, Romeo Dobbs working maybe a spot concept or, or even one of those rap concepts. We talk about attacking the middle of the field that forces the safety to want to stay home a little bit more, especially if you hit that one or two times early in the game. But then on top of that, imagine Luke Musgrave, you know, blazing speed at the tight end position. That's just set up beautifully for that end around. If, if they start to go, okay, we're going to shade on Christian Watson. So the safety's focus is, is, you know, on Christian Watson going over the top and then, okay, the rest of the defenders are, we've got to play this bunch set. Are we going to play man? Are we going to play zone match? What are we going to play on that bunch side? And then all of a sudden Luke Musgrave blazing speed goes in motion. You've got a jet sweep out the backside. Good freaking luck, Tim. I mean, that, there's so many things you can do with Luke Musgrave in this offense. And I know we tend to not we, but many of the pundits tend to, to look at the negative aspects, the negative possibilities of Luke Musgrave being a raw tight end, but we don't look at the positives. You hit that one or two times with his kind of speed, Tim, and, dude, I'm telling you, defenses are going to have to start to respect it, you know? Well, and we know as Packer fans that Matt LaFleur's whole approach with in the passing game is scheming guys open. That's That's what he does. And the talent we have, like what you just went over, just in the last 45 seconds here uh, is enough to give defenses a problem. I mean, you can't double everyone. You can't send help everywhere. So there's going to come times in games where, you know, LaFleur is going to have his options. He's going to be able to, to, to pick a guy in his offense and literally get, literally get them the ball almost at will. I think in certain situations this year, uh, based on how they get the reads and the tendencies as a game uh, progresses, especially when we talk about the middle eight, when you can take your shots and uh, look for some of those explosive plays. So uh, it's going to be exciting to see this offense. But, uh, yeah, a bunch nasty X, man. That's, that's my new T-shirt. I'm getting that made. That's our, that's our <laughs> play, man. <laughs> yeah, it's just there's endless possibilities. And it's going to take time. They're going to they're going to have growing pains. We all know that. But just the the thought of some of the things that they can do schematically is is really exciting. I cannot wait. I cannot wait for Chalk Talk this year, Tim. I'm telling you, dude, I'm Ooh. already setting extra time aside. I'm going to try to do two or three Chalk Talk episodes a week. I am going to geek out over some tape. That's for sure. Um, let's see here. A couple comments in the chat. Uh, Adam Block says time for Newman to get his minerals in order. And then Eric Sutherland says, hopefully Newman doesn't see the field. And then of course, David says, um, like Seinfeld used to say, Newman. What did he say? Hello, Newman. Hello, Newman. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I I hope he didn't know we had that, but he probably didn't. That's all right. So um, (laughs) we're going to be hitting that. Well, hopefully we're not hitting that this year. Um, Let's see here. Uh, David in the chat. I'd rather hit Watson and stride. Absolutely, man. I'll tell you, that throw the other day from Jordan Love to uh, to Christian Watson um, down the sideline, man. Let me get this off the screen here since we're not even talking about it at the moment. Um, the uh, the play there from from Love to Watson, if God, if he would have just let that ball go a little early, if he hits Watson in stride on oh, that play, Tim, 
dude, I'm that place. We're all looking at this year going, hold up a minute. We might have us a 4,000-yard passer. I don't know what they're talking about, 3,300 or whatever the over is right now. But, man, Christian Watson, he had those boys beat deep. There's no doubt about it. And and that's that's what makes him so good, that along with that frame. And I know some people said he should have caught the ball. Um, for me, if it's underthrown, I put it on the quarterback. And I know Jordan would put it on himself as well. Um, but I understand the people that are saying, hey, look, it hit his hands. you got to haul that. you got to bring that in, right? Um, but – Christian Watson, I think he's poised for a good year uh, this year, Tim. Absolutely, I do. And I think, you know, it's really hard. I mean, we can we can put a number one uh, label on on receivers and we can look at these the depth chart as it stands or as we project it. But, you know, like Paul was talking about earlier, we need to, you know, time will tell. We need to see this uh, play out and really see who's going to step into these roles. Um because, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, we can light you up with Dobbs. We can light you up with, with Watson. And, uh, you know, Jaden Reed has uh, got star written all over him. So yeah, watch out, guys. Sure. Watch out this year. Paul Robertson in the chat says, I'm curious to see how Love handles the blitz. Bears are going to test him in week one. Yeah, you know that that style of defense that came over uh, – with Eberflus from Indianapolis, um, they typically play a lot of zone coverage. I did a real, real deep breakdown on the podcast before we even had the YouTube channel, and um, they like to play a ton of zone coverage, and they like to get pressure with the front four. Now, toward the end of the year, just like every team does, Paul, you know, teams adapt, they adjust, right? They evolve as the year goes on, and they did start to blitz a little bit more. Um, I've, I'm really confident in Jordan's ability to attack the blitz. You know, that's something that happened early in Aaron Rodgers' career. I don't know if you guys remember, but teams, as soon as he took over and, and started, you know, as the, as the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, teams started to fire blitzes on him. And it took two or three seasons to him, and people were like, this is not a good idea. Like, it was – he he led the league in passer rating against third-down blitzes. I remember that statistic specifically right around the time that they won the Super Bowl. He just started carving them up. So – you know, I understand your concern, Paul, but I kind of get excited because if, if a player is smart enough to understand the blitzes, the blitz packages, it really makes the defense vulnerable. And, and it, uh, you know, it's, it's a numbers game. Football is a numbers game. If you're blitzing five or six people, then you've got single coverage somewhere, and specifically yeah. on the boundary, Tim. So imagine yeah. Romeo Dobbs or Jaden Reed and then opposite Christian Watson. Go ahead and blitz. Go ahead and blitz. We'll run a choice route or two on the perimeter. Or if they want to snug up and get real cocky and blitz, pop that thing right over the top, right? Absolutely. And I trust Jay Money all day. I, I really do. Because he he doesn't seem frazzled or panicked. Um, of course, we've had uh, he's had some pretty good pockets all preseason. So, um, But when he needs to spin out and get out of there and, and buy a little time, I, I know he can. And I'm confident in him making that the correct decision, you know, to either tuck it and run or to, to take a shot or, or even throw it to the sidelines, throw it away. But, you know, that's, you hit it on the head, man, with, with blitzing, man, if you're going to rush all these guys, you better get home. And if you don't get home, you know, and we have a quarterback that can get that extra second or two to find the open man or the check down or the shot down the field. Cause you, cause your secondary is creeping up, um, you know, we're going to light teams up. I really think so. There's so many, so many different options 
that we have at our disposal. And I think, you know, seeing that the fact that this team has already gelled together so much between OTAs and the, and training camp and preseason now, you know, it's, you know, 10 days, guys, we're going to see it. It's going to be fun. <laughs> strap up, <laughs> strap yourself in like, like Jair said, right? Strap city this year. So, uh, huh? <laughs> That's right. That is right. Josh Martin in the chat said, I think it's 65% chance that we win the division. 65%. 65%. That's what we it is. There it is. You you guys, you know, you didn't even have to do a super chat to get that one, man. You know. <laughs> Let's see here. I want to get back to Brandy's comment. Um, and again, though, Josh, thank you for the super chat, but we appreciate you supporting the channel, man. Brandy said, I want to see love behind on points and pissed off starting to drive. What is this kid made of? Hey, and it's what I love about him too, Tim, is just a little bit of little bit of uh, clips that we've seen. You know, a little bit of playing time we've seen in Jordan Love. When something doesn't go right, when he misses a receiver, or like I said, when just something goes awry, I love how he his his focus is on the field, down the field, and you can just see the gears turning. Like, all right, what do I got to do to make sure that doesn't happen again? Like, yeah. it's not it's not none of this. What are you doing? And you know, it's you can tell it's. It's cool. It's calm. It's cl- it's exactly how Aaron acted when Aaron was that age. As Aaron got older, just like me, you get hateful and impatient, right? <laughs> but um, with Jordan, man, I just love his demeanor on the field. And Brandy, I completely agree. I want to see what he's made of because Tim, that's that's when you really find out what you've got at quarterback, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, things aren't always going to go right. You know, and sometimes. Uh... That's going to happen. Sometimes opening kicks get returned for a score. We don't see them as often as we used to in this league now with the rule changes. But, you know, things can happen and you can find yourself down. Hell, look at the uh, the preseason game against New England. We had a botch snap. And next thing you know, you're you're down, you know. So I think he responded pretty well in that game. And uh, I think we're going to see it this year, hopefully, that uh, – you know, we go into like a semi two minute mode at any given time if we really want to. And it was really fun um, to see him during camp working on these two minute drills and just to see the command he has of the huddle and the offense. So uh, I think Jay Money's going to stand. He's going to stand the test. He's going to stand up to the test and the pressure. And uh, I think he's going to find success this year. I really do. No. Yeah. Uh, Chamber in the chat said the great receivers are able to make those bad throws passable and uh, and make it just be a huge completion instead of the the TD the good pass would have been. It's a good point, you know. Randy Moss is bringing that ball in. Now, I think it's unfair to try to expect Christian Watson to perform at Randy Moss's level, but you've seen those. I mean, imagine To on that throw, Tim, in his prom. He's he's bringing that down. If there's three defenders there and it's underthrown, right? That's right. No, that's what, that's how, what long does it take, how long does it take to get you to your prime though you know All right. yeah this is year two for scoot so let's uh let's let them grow here right let's yeah. let them grow yeah. i think the hands have gotten a little better and you know i look i like to look at the positive on that play you know um yeah he probably should have came up with it but he did adjust and come and he came back to the ball so you know that yeah. was something that we didn't really see him fighting through you know, a lot of these uh, catch points last year as a rookie, you know, a lot of the best things we saw from him last year were catching it in stride or catching it in space. So the contested catch is something he's still adding to his, uh, his bag of tricks. So we got to give him time to, to develop that. I'm sure we're going to get at least one or two of those beautiful grabs this year in the end zone. 
uh, yeah. contested. So I think yeah, I he's going to do fine. If I remember correctly, his over and under on touchdowns, touchdown catches was like five, five and a half. That's just crazy to me. Like, I think he's going to tear that out of the frame. I really do. Um, let's see here. Split screen game and um, Christian Watson, right? I believe that's what his over under was on touchdown catches was like five and a half. If that's I remember crazy. correctly. Yeah, it's nuts, man. It's absolutely not. I bet some of some of the some of the people that placed that bet early for the under are going, oh crap, Jordan Love looks legit now. Yeah. <laughs> but split screen game is Sam Watson's still working on his hands. This kind of goes hand in hand with what you said, Tim. He's still working on his hands. He didn't get any coaching on how to be a receiver at North Dakota State. Uh they're notoriously run heavy. He will get there. I have confidence he will too, man. I really do. And uh, let's see here. Bruce Skinner says, Clayton, I can't DM you on Twitter to send you this Packers stuff. All right, do this for me, Bruce. Um, send me an email at PackersTotalAccess at gmail.com. And I'm hoping you're not DMing someone that has a similar name to me online because you're DMing a stranger saying, hey, what's your address? That's not a good look. <laughs> I guarantee you, man, they're they're sitting back there like, what in the world is going on? What in the world? Hey, he not only rambled, but he rumbled and stumbled. <laughs> you got to be careful, man. People people think you're a creeper out there. But, yeah, Bruce, hit me up at that, e- at that email address again, Packers Total Access at gmail.com and we'll we'll get you a p.o box or something to uh, to send that to we appreciate you man we really really do but um let's see here i like this this is something i've talked about a lot tim really excited about it split screen game and said love will scramble for about 50 yards a game and two to three first downs a game you know i i don't i don't know specifically he's going to be able to to crack 50 yards a game but picking up one or two you know even more so three first downs you know on a crucial third down tim with his legs is something we haven't seen in quite some time, right? With with Aaron aging a bit and obviously wanting to stay in the pocket and throw a little bit more, man. I'm telling you, he's gonna he's gonna win us a game or two with his legs this year. I believe that. I, I do too. And you know, if you notice, um, a lot of young quarterbacks when they scramble, they they have issues with ball security and they're like waving the ball around and they're throwing hand too much, and that's when you're seeing it get punched out of there or um they're running backwards. They're going to, they spin out of the pocket and they run backwards or laterally. And you end up turning this into a net negative. Well, Jordan love doesn't do these things. Jordan love protects the ball. And Jordan love is, I don't care if it's one or two yards, it's positive yardage. You're turning a, a busted play or a play that could be a sack into a positive gain. And, and that's, I'll take that any day of the week, protect the football and keep moving forward. You know, don't, don't have us working backwards against ourselves. So, and, and I think, you know, he is a mobile quarterback when he needs to be. And that's what we want. We don't need a running quarterback. You know, Jordan love is, is talented enough to throw the football. And that's, that's why he's here. So um, as much as I enjoy seeing him do it with his feet, it's to me, it's, you know, it's kind of like self-defense, right? Fight or flight. You got to, got to make that decision in the blink of an eye and you got to commit a hundred percent to either one of them, because if you're halfway between the two, you're going to get in trouble. And I think that uh, Jordan love has got a, a very good uh, focus on what he needs to do when he's under duress. So yeah, I, I agree. I think he's going to have some runs this year that are going to make the highlight reels for sure. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, split screen game has said, watch out for Devontae White. He's the type of player that plays best when the lights are on. He'll be a big factor on Sundays. It's it's funny you mention that because I was talking him up big time, Tim, at the end of the year. 
going back and watching that last five-game saturation of the season uh, of 2022. And he looked so good. He looked like he was finally turning, especially in the Detroit game. He was ta- he was beating double teams. He looked so quick off the ball. Then we get into preseason this year, and it's like, what happened? I think there may be something to that. You know, it doesn't matter what you do in preseason, especially when you're a veteran. It's just like split screen saying here: when the lights turn on, man, make sure you're uh, you're ready to play for sure. Um, let's see here. Uh, <laughs> well, we got some comedians, man. I'll tell you what. <laughs> I can't I can't share it, Bruce, but I will give you the Lombardi soundbite. All right, we'll meet in the middle. What the hell's going on out here? <laughs> this crew in here, man, they're gonna get me canceled so quick. It's gonna happen. <laughs> All right, let's see what else we got here before we wrap this big bear up. All right, Bruce got the email, buddy. Good deal, man. I'll uh, I'll respond to you as soon as we get off of here. Um let's see here. Brandy says Jones gets that first touchdown on the left side. Put it down, put it on the ticker. Put it on the ticker. Let's get the ticker back up here, too, while we're at it. Yeah, put it on the ticker. Brandy says that first touchdown is coming off the left side. When it happens on Sunday, everybody's going to go, what? She's – all right. There it is. Okay. <laughs> all right, let's see. That here. seems to be that, that that play they like to run on those those early downs, like especially to start, start games in the series. They usually run a little quick hitter to Jones off the edge. So, I if we, if we start with the ball week one – <laughs> and they come out in that set. I, I, I'm just gonna be. I'm gonna remember this moment. <laughs> We're gonna see it happen. Definitely, definitely. All right, guys, let's stop commenting. I don't want to. I don't want you guys to waste your time uh, topping it out and us not read it. We're gonna get ready to wrap this thing up. Uh, I want to say thanks for being patient with us because the beginning of the show. I don't know if you guys caught on or not, but the audio went completely out. I literally. I. I don't even know if Paul heard it, but I. I told Paul, I said, "Hey, just keep talking, man. I got no audio over here. We'll see if we can fix it." So luckily, we got it straightened out on the fly. We just caught a hot route. We went audible. I did one of these checks right here, Tim, and we. Uh, we're good to go. Can Let's can see. can. <laughs> yeah, can. That's what I should have said. Can Paul can. <laughs> um, do you got anything else before we get ready to to hop off here, Tim? Anything at all, man? Uh, go pack, go green and gold till I'm dead and cold. It's ten days away. All is right in Green Bay. Man, I'm excited. That's it. Just excited. <laughs> Just excited, man. Yeah, I'm the, dude. I'm the same way, man. I'm the same way. And, here, and here's something right here. Paul Robertson, Bears versus Packers spread has gone from plus two and a half to one and a half. Packers hop train has begun to leave the station. Choo choo, baby. Choo choo. Um, yeah. Appreciate everybody hanging out. I want to say this. Thoughts and prayers go out to Brady Papinga um, and his family. I don't know if you heard this, Tim. I heard it right before I went. Uh, actually, I seen Eric posted it. Eric Sutherland in the chat posted it uh, before we even went live. And uh, unfortunately, they lost their 17-year-old son. Um, I think I don't want to, I don't even want to comment on the details because I don't know all the details. All I know is tragic event there. And uh, Brady Papinga was one of those guys that um, he was a lot of fun to watch. I, I always referred to him as the Mad Mormon, right? Yep. And uh, he was just – he was so, so awesome to watch. He he has some of the best stories, too. He, I believe he's doing some podcasting now. We we might need to see if we can get – well, now is probably not the time, but he's the type of guy I would love to have on the show and just uh, and just hang out with and talk to because he was, he was one of those guys that when he was drafted, the Packers were still trying to figure it out, right? You were kind of in the transition where they were they were winning some, but it, nobody considered him a Super Bowl contender and all that. And uh, just just seemed like he played the game the right way. He always played mean. And Hillman, AJ Hawk had a had a bond. I believe he played a year or two with Clay Matthews too, if I remember correctly. But uh, just horrible news, man. And and it just goes to show you that you know 
there's so many things, so many other things that are more important than than winning and losing in football. And and we love this game so much, and we get accustomed to rooting for the players and and the coaches. And and when something like this happens, you know, it really puts things into perspective, Tim. You know, life's short, and uh, you know, you just got to kind of put things into perspective. Is is the only thing I know to say. And just you know, let the people you you love know that you love them. And, you know, I heard something here recently, and in in I know it was at least in the last year I heard it for the first time in my life. I heard someone say, you know, at some point in your life, you talked to someone the last time, right, and you didn't even know it. And that's a tough – that's a tough pill to swallow, man. That's a tough thing to uh, to to deal with. And, uh, yeah, just thoughts and prayers go out to Brady. It's such a such a horrible tragedy, man. My wife and I, we for medical reasons, we can't have children. Um, we've been together for golly, man. We, you know, we started dating. I was seventeen; she was fifteen. I couldn't imagine what it was, what it would be like to uh, to lose a child, and it's got to be horrible. So, if you guys get a chance, he's on Twitter. Hey, you know, tag him in a tweet and just say, "Hey, man, praying for you. Hey, thinking about you. You know, whether you know, you'll hear me talk about prayers on this podcast, guys. I'm not trying to push anything on anybody. I I have. Some of my best friends in the world are atheists, right? So I, I don't mm-hmm. want you to think I'm trying to push any kind of religion or anything on anybody. That's just the way, you know, that's my belief system. But uh, it only takes a second to reach out to someone and say, hey, man, we're thinking about you, right? And if anything, let's show him how much we appreciated um, what he did for the Packers when he played for us by at least taking a second out of our day and just tagging him in a tweet and saying, hey, man, thinking about you. Uh, Packer Nation loves you, that type of thing. So. With that being said, we're going to get out of here. Um, appreciate everybody in the chat. Guys, you carried it today. You, I, I'm going to have to put you guys on the payroll because y'all carried the load today. Paul came in, hit it out of the park. Audio was all out of whack, and the chat carried us home. Damn, we got the best listeners in the world, dude, and I appreciate your time. Appreciate Jacob's time. Uh, you guys hopping on here, man. It's, it's the highlight of the day for me being able to talk ball with you guys. So um, We're going to get out of here. For those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world, and go Pack Go. The power sweep. Actually, it's the it's the lead play in our in our offense. Double tackle. Defensive end. If he's over, if he's back, he drives down on the first man who is inside. Pull back and get him. Take the first man outside the offense. Back. No one shows. Go right by them and field this side. If the YN has the linebacker taken out. That's inside. The YN has the linebacker in. He comes all the way around. If you look at this play, we'll be trying to get him to see you here.